Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Hi, Billing, and uh, for all the moms here uh, today at Lifehouse, we want to honor you. We want to thank God for you. We would pray that God would minister to you in a very special way. Uh, these are just children that are expressing their heartfelt needs because uh, they don't know how to pretend and kids don't know how to act. Well, maybe they do, but these kids were sincere. And so we want to just embrace the spirit of, of this church, appreciating not just every mom or every mom that will become or every young lady that aspires to be a mom, but just this concept of womanhood, girlhood, if you will, a motherhood. Um, you are very, very special. And I pray that this day the Holy Spirit would highlight that. That regardless of how everyone has come in today, men, women, dads, moms, or youth that are here today, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just encourage you and that you would um, walk from this uh, service today with a sense of purpose, with a, a sense of higher purpose or dignity and a calling for your life. I'm going to share with you something that, that I was not thinking of or uh, of sharing, but just came to my mind. Well, I was a teenager who was struggling as a kid. Before, I, nobody knew what HDD was, attention deficit disorder. They didn't know that. Later on, I think psychologists and psychiatrists, you know, diagnosed, hey, there's something wrong in the head of this kid, right? There's something wrong in his comportment. That was me in the, in, when I was growing up. I really, I tell my kids, and this is true, that I got spanked almost every day. And uh, I'm, I'm not saying for sympathy, uh, but it's true. I was in, in no, I was in everybody's business and when I shouldn't have been, grabbing things, taking things, uh, causing chaos. I grew up in a family of seven kids. I was the second oldest, so I kind of had rank. And so, thank you. And my, my brothers and most of them suffered under my uh, tyranny. But my, and my dad was very poised, very calm, and he would put things in order. And he had a way of talking that would put things in order. And, and he would give me one or two warnings, which usually was good enough. But my mom, uh, she threw caution to the wind. Whatever my mom saw, uh, uh, you know, uh, a belt, a dish, uh, uh, you know, a tie, a rope, whatever she found, that's what is going to be an instrument used of God to bring correction to her children. It was an instrument, an extension, if you will, of her, of her skills. Um, and, um, and as a teenager, I kind of pushed the, the envelope. I pushed the, the boundaries. So my mom said that I, I couldn't join a football, and I joined anyway behind her back. And so I would come up with different reasons, excuses, lies, and then one particular evening the rubber hit the road because in football there's away games, away games. And so that away game took us, I don't know, to Fowler or some other godforsaken city up north. <laughs> Thank you. And on the way back it was midnight. It was like one o'clock in the morning. And then I knew that I was praying, I was praying for my mom to be asleep. And, uh, but all the moms know better. Oh, my dad was asleep. <laughs> uh, my dad had the peace of God. Okay. 
my mom, I, you know, I went through the kitchen, through the back door, and I could hear my mom praying, crying in the living room. And I was going to try and sneak in and sneak to the, to the bedroom, and I could hear her crying. And then she was saying something that caught me off guard. I had heard a, a seventh grade teacher one time tell me, Saul, God, is, you know, God has a plan for you. Her name was Mrs. Anderson. I, when I was a boy, I defied God in a, in a tent service, a tent service, because I didn't believe what was happening up here was God. You know, people were being blessed, healed. They were testifying that they were being healed. Some were falling when they would pray for them, or what we call being slain in the spirit. And as probably an eight, nine-year-old, I was very already really uh, rambunctious. I told mom, would you let me go up there only to test, only to prove that this was all, you know, chicanery. And so, so when I was in the ramp, on the ramp, my, my knees began to buckle and my legs began to shake. And I said, whoa, I got scared. And I wanted to go back, but it was too late. There was people behind me and I couldn't back up to the ramp. So when I got up, um, you know, this evangelist, I was my, it was my turn and he called me. And so I'm facing him. He's tall. Um, and then he turns me around this way, like this with his hand. And he says, do you know why this boy is up here? He's up here because he's here because he wants to test the power of God. And he doesn't think this is true. This, he doesn't think this is real. And I go like this, busted. I go like this. <laughs> like, wow, how does he know? How does he know? And just, I'm going to push the envelope one more. This is God. This is what is called providence. I never understood why my parents called me Saul because Saul in the Bible, like, is not as great as Daniel. That's my oldest brother. I've got a brother named Elijah, like a prophet of God. You know, Ezekiel, another prophet. And I get Saul, right? I, I get Saul. I, I don't understand that. Like, like, just so, and he says, this boy reminds me of Saul. You know, in the Bible, he was referring, but I didn't know that. He remind, and I go, how does he know my name? <laughs> that he was after the, the donkeys, his dad's donkeys, his father's donkeys. But God, that was only the pretext because God was after him. That was his way to bring Saul before the prophet Samuel. And so he's saying this, he's calling me or mentioning my name. I, I was trying to figure out what is this guy doing? And then he says, but God has brought him here because God has a calling on his life and he's going to be a minister. He's going to be a preacher of God's word. I say this before a living God that knows that what I'm sharing with you is true. So as a boy, I had that experience. And so when he, he turns me back around and I'm telling myself, whatever you do, don't fall. Whatever you do, just don't let, don't fall as I'm falling. I'm saying, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall as I'm falling. True story. I'm there slain. God is rewiring me because my mom, after a while, everybody was leaving. My mom went to go pick me up. And as, he, as she was picking me up, he says, leave that boy alone. God is rewiring his circuits. Some of you need some of that right now. Yeah? Like you're all messed up. Like you're, you're like, you've got issues. <laughs> you've got it. You've got temper issues. You've got reaction issues. You've got issues. So today we'll pray the same prayer. So I came up and I felt like a lamb. I felt like something changed. And I believe that God, you know, basically turned the switch on later on when I was in my late teen, late teenage years. I was uh, 16 at the time, 
came in late. My mom was weeping, crying, and then she was saying for the first time, I had that experience, Mrs. Anderson in seventh grade that said, Saul, I, I sense that God is going to use you. She was a Christian uh, science teacher. Uh, you're special. God, is gonna, God has a plan for your life. And oh, it's, it, it caught me off guard because I was a rascal. I was in trouble. Back then, boy, you guys, uh, like the new generation, you don't know what it is to get paddled in school. Some of us, like my age, we know how it is to get paddled once a week. I would. I was just ornery. I was not a good boy growing up, even though I grew up in church. And, and I don't know how many times I got saved in the altar, a lot of times. But that, that day, there was something about my mom's prayer, her brokenness. She couldn't believe that a, her son would defy her, that something in me was that wrong, that she was more praying like what was wrong with her, like where did she go wrong? Because I, I could hear her in her brokenness. I could hear her in the way she was weeping. And I was insensitive. I was pretty much, I was pretty much like um, indifferent, impervious to like, like appeals. And that was not the first time my mom cried or the first time she appealed to my better nature. But that evening, hearing her, hearing her cry, and then as I was beginning to just move or go out the kitchen to come in through the front door, some folks know where I used to live or in McFarland, 7th Street in McFarland. Um, as I was leaving, she goes, Lord, and you've told me, you've showed me, me has mostrado, she said, that Saul is going to be a pastor and a preacher one day. And that I froze as she begins to say, you've shown me that he's going to be a preacher and that you're going to use him. Just don't let the enemy destroy him. Don't let the enemy have his way with him. And, and then basically I was like the worst enemy it wasn't so much the devil. There was something in me, rebellion, um, a, uh, an indifference toward God, an apathy toward the things of God. Uh, maybe it was a spirit of competition, uh, of jealousy, or whatever it was. It was, it was more of, of competition. And right there I froze, and she began to say, you've shown me that, that you're going to use him for your glory. Just don't let the enemy have his way with him. Don't let the enemy destroy him. And I just froze and then something shifted in my heart. I went out the kitchen door, came in back through the front door because I didn't want my mom to know that I was listening uh, to her prayer for maybe five to ten minutes. It just broke me. Something changed. So I come in through the front door, just love to, for her to hear me. And she's, she's there in a sofa. And she says, is that you? And I said, yeah, mom, it's me. And she goes, you know, go straight to bed. In the morning, you and I are going to talk. Because basically, I defied her. I was disobeying her. I was not supposed to go and be playing football. And uh, she asked me if I was okay, even though I was kind of hurt from football. Uh, but the other guys got hurt worse than I did. The people that were trying to tackle me. I just want to insert that for some of you that are feeling sorry for me. Feel sorry for the other guys. Um... And so that night, pastors, leaders, I couldn't sleep. That night, I was tired, dead tired, tog tired, but I couldn't sleep. I just, just what was echoing was my mom's brokenness and her prayer. You've shown me, me has mostrado, that, that Saul is going to be a pastor or a, used of God. And I just couldn't sleep. And all that night, I, I looked and I got on my knees and I just said, God, I don't know if it's true. 
but I know my mom is a real believer. She's authentic. She's the real deal. She's not perfect. I mean, she misses me a lot of times when she's hitting me. I mean, she's, she's not perfect. If you guys know what my drift, right? You guys, and, and, and maybe sometimes she overreacts often. <laughs> and, and maybe her emotions would get the best of her. And I'm not kidding. They would get the best. Sometimes I would get spanked and it was not even my fault. And I said, Mom, but I didn't do it. She goes, but all the times you got away. I mean, how do you beat that? How do you beat that for all the times you got away with it? I mean, that's not fair. It was true. Would you bow your heads with me, moms, dads, everyone that's here? I would like for the Holy Spirit to, to not let you become your worst enemy. Whoever you are, whatever stage, phage, and age that you have, I just pray that it wouldn't be arrogance or pride. That there wouldn't be a resistance that you've developed toward the voice of God because you've been hurt or there's been pain or somebody's caused you disappointment and therefore you are blaming God or someone, you're holding someone responsible that should be released. I just sense God's presence right now. That, that your future is in peril. What God wants to do is, is hell being held in abeyance because there's something in you that is not allowing the, that you've come against God's very will for your life because of pride or arrogance or insensitivity or apathy or indifference toward God's plan for your life. God's will for your life is being held in abeyance because there's something in your heart that needs to break. And so, Father, I pray, I just sense your presence. I sense the spirit of destiny. And, and the word of God today is, is for many of us here is to be open again, to be sensitive, to allow the spirit of God to show and reveal you and your heart. What is it that is stopping? What is it that is holding back God's best plans, his best anointing, his, his open doors, his enlargements, his promotions, the real peace that surpasses all understanding, the real blessing that comes from being in the center of God's best will for your life. I pray I pray in Jesus' name that you would receive deliverance and liberty from yourself, from your past, from your mistakes, from the things that others have done to you, so that we're no longer playing the victim, no longer still holding a re resentment or a regretting, no longer holding grudges toward people, even if it's passive, a passive grudge. That person doesn't even know you hold a grudge because it's passive. It's hidden. It's laden. And that's why you tend to be passive, aggressive, obsessive, compulsive in your reactions or in your behavior because there is something that's not, have, that's not been brought to the cross of Jesus that has not been surrendered and saying, I'm done carrying this uh, burden, this chip on my shoulders. I'm done uh, being hurt toward somebody that's hurt me or that's disappointed me. And so, Father, I pray through Christ Jesus, I just sense your presence. I sense your presence. I, I sense your spirit just speaking to a lot of us this, on this Mother's Day to the glory of God, to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I speak shifts and changes to the glory of God the Father. And God's people say, amen and amen. Just as you're there, we've been talking about 
you know, dare to connect. The, the word dare is an implicit. It's a challenge. It's, it's like pushing you to the next level. It's like if something's holding you back, fear, you know, different trepidations, different feelings, and maybe you've uh, done or attempted and failed. So, so now there's something just holding you back. And, and the, the, the theme of this, of this sermon series is to dare. To, to dare and push the envelope, go to the next level, and then dare to actually make the right connections with the right relationship for the right reasons in the right spirit at the right time. Dare to connect. The last Sunday we talked about uh, unplugging yourself or disconnecting yourself from the, from the things in this world that are toxic. Toxic emotions, toxic past to, to that you have to unplug to kind of re- be able to replug and reset to reconnect with God's true and, and better destiny for yourself. Including relationships that have gone, uh, you know, basically uh, gone aground and failed or afoul. And then to be able to come back and just be able to kind of reposition yourself uh, where God wants you to emotionally and spiritually. T- today we're going to just move the envelope and just, is just to, to have you connect with the source. Uh, that, that the source of my strength. Um, there are, you know, there is one ultimate source and all of us, I think it's implied that that, that source is God and God alone as the source. But there are subsources. So let's, let's look at God being the main source, your relationship with God, your understanding of God, the word of God that speaks life, the spirit of the God, which is the source of life, um, because God himself is the substance. He is the source. How many say amen? And he's the supply of your strength. I'll say that again. God is the substance and he is the source and he is the supplier of your hope and your strength. But there are other subsources like the church which is the body of Jesus Christ. The head does not exist by himself, uh, and Jesus is the head. But all of us have been called to be part of the body of Jesus Christ. You are a part of the body. Uh, you are part of what makes the work of God, the church of God, living, a living organism, and not just an organization. We are a living uh, organism. You, you've been called to know your place. So one of the, the, the first... Uh, points of this message is to position yourself up there. Help me to position yourself uh, and, and, and to be able to hear the voice of God, to be able to understand God's plan up there. Thank you. You guys are so awesome. Position yourself is the first point that I wanted to bring here. As you guys could see it in these, uh, uh, in, in these monitors. It'll come, people. Believe me. It was just, we might be a little bit late, but never, but never like uh, too late for us. There you go. Position yourself to listen to the voice of God. If you allow me, uh, just especially because today we want to celebrate, we want to exalt, we want to honor womanhood. So not just motherhood, because unfortunately, many, many women suffer through infertility. And, and not only infertility, but many women are still aspiring one day to be able to embrace this, this estate, this, this lofty estate of, of being a mom or, or being able to call yourself a mom. There are many that are not able to through different reasons. Uh, maybe they're single or, or for different reasons. And, and so Mother's Day is a, is, a, is a bittersweet day for many, many women. I know that for us. For my wife, Linda, for many, many years, this was the toughest Sunday in the year and the calendar by far uh, was to be able to come and celebrate maternity, motherhood with other women, including her mom while her mom was alive. And yet while we were trying to aspire to become parents ourselves, 
And so motherhood is, is, a, is, is a bittersweet moment because some folks become, some ladies become moms without wanting to become pregnant. And they, they reject the idea of motherhood. And some even go to the extreme of aborting, uh, 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 you know, a, a baby, a child, because they, they despise, they, they come against the very, um, um, you know, co-creative prowess uh, privilege that God has given women uh, to be able to co-create with God. And so motherhood is, is not necessarily a, a blessing for everybody. There are individuals who grow up and they, they, they themselves are not good mothers. Uh, what you're hearing from these kids is probably the exception. There are many that struggle what is called the syndrome of the, the I'm a terrible mom syndrome or the, the, the mother uh, syndrome that, that basically no matter how good they are, how well they, they try to do things, they see themselves, many women see themselves, many mothers see themselves as falling short all the time. And, and they don't give, you don't give yourself enough credit. I'm a bad mom, you know, because you're not a super mom. And, and who said that, that, that you need to be a super mom? What are you measuring? Who are you measuring yourself, uh, you know, uh, against? That's a lie that, 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 and so many women suffer through this chronic syndrome, uh, I'm a bad mom syndrome, if you will. And, and that itself, you're undergirding, you're undermining uh, the very essence, the blessing of just being uh, who God created you to be, imperfect. There is no such thing as a perfect mom. How many say amen? Um, all of us have issues. All of us have challenges. Nobody grows up in a perfect home. I mean, I got hit when I wasn't supposed to get hit for the times I didn't get hit. I mean, go figure. Thank you. And, and nothing, thank God that I made it out of that, like with all my marbles, except a few, right? Because I'm missing a few marbles. So I, I want to also just go one more time before I talk about positioning yourself again. Um, today is a... Is a it's a bittersweet day for a lot of women that struggle uh, with um, just uh, being single, a single mom, uh, being um, uh, feeling like um, like they're they're not quite being successful as a wife or as a mother or as a daughter to their own mothers. And so I'd like to uh, have you here. The, the first point that I wanted to bring with respect to the story of Deborah which the word Deborah means like bee, like mother bee or a queen bee. And it's, it's in the Old Testament, chapter 4 and 5. I'm going to challenge everybody to take this as homework. Uh, just just her, her position as a leader. And her position that God positioned her to be a deliverer, a liberator, if you will. And God, you know, uses her and gives her at least four or five areas of responsibility or positions. Uh, number one, she was a governor. She was the governor of Israel, the governor, or a governess, if you will. Like that was unheard of in her day, especially the Jewish culture, the Jewish religion exalts men and, and suppresses, suppresses women. It happens today that, that many, many women, since the Garden of Eden, when God designed uh, Eve, so I was sharing this morning that, that when God made man and all the aminals of the kingdom, all the aminals, uh, God made man, he made them from dust, from the dirt, from clay, period. So from the dirt he, gave, he made man, he formed him and he breathed, the, he breathed uh, the breath of life. 
But when he made woman, by the way, when he made a woman, when he made Eve, Eve is the only post-creation creation. No ifs, no ands, no buts. She's the only post-creation creation. After that, um, you know, th there is no such thing as Darwin's theory of evolution. Uh, we did not come from monkeys, folk. Well, maybe the, um, the other side of the family, right? Maybe they did, but not your side. Like we never evolved from monkeys. Thank you. This is okay. Just giving some people a little bit of leeway. If you want to hurt the, uh, I'm being facetious. So, so we did not evolve. If, if evolution were true, why do women only have two hands? Okay, I'm just kidding, you know, like, if, why do mothers only have two hands if evolution is true? I'm being facetious, but I'm not. So, so God, so God made Eve post-creation. So he made man from the dust, from the dirt, from clay. He made Eve from living tissue, Amen. made her from a living bone, from tissue and, and exalt her. Bara is the word in Hebrew, meaning from living flesh. That's why when Adam saw Eve, he says, you are flesh of my flesh and you're a bone of my bone. Uh, you're not like a horse or a donkey or a giraffe or an elephant. You are like me. You are from my womb. And you, are, you are part of me. And, and, and God used Eve to deliver, to liberate Adam from his loneliness. And in scripture, God uses women to, as, a, as an instrument of deliverance or of liberation. He used Sarah to, to deliver um, Abraham uh, from a mistake, from an Egyptian. He says, she's got to go. In scripture, if you just go down, he used Rahab, the harlot, to deliver two spies, instruments for deliverance. And in the process, she becomes an, an uh, 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 um, um, she becomes a, un injerto. She becomes a, uh, she connects with the, with the family of Israel and a, a man by the name of Salmon falls in love with her and, and, and they have a baby and they become part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Um, that, that baby, they name him Boaz. Boaz falls in love with Ruth and what, you know, another stranger, another woman that God exalts through a journey of, 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 become, of from becoming a Moabite, becoming an Israelite from him. And then she becomes a great grandmother of, of David the king. What I'm, what I'm trying to share with everyone here is that there's a process that God often uses so that you can position yourself to be able to hear the voice of God, to be able to go to the next level, to be able to understand that God has a plan for your life. And that plan works through different stages and phases and processes that oftentimes require patience. Uh, endurance, uh, fidelity, or faithfulness. And in scripture, there are, God uses many, many women as an instrument for deliverance. He used, he used Esther to deliver the Jewish nation from, exter from being extinct, from extermination. Esther, he uses a woman uh, to walk into a king's presence. And so when he saw her, there was favor on her life. And he stretches that scepter. And instead of death, she was given acceptance and then given uh, her wishes. What do you wish? Up to half of my kingdom, I'll give to you. And I would have said, I'll take it. <laughs> but Esther said, no, I just have one request. Just, just give me a banquet. Give me an opportunity. And, and there begins the process of identifying Haman as the heinous man that he was. And, and he, she was able to bring about deliverance to an entire nation. 
Uh, some of you know the, uh, the story. I'm going to just cut to the chase. There were women like Abigail that God used their wisdom. Uh, there was a, a woman that, that was wise, the Bible says, and the city that she was in was besieged by an army, Joab. And he says, we're only looking for the head of one man. And, but, but if you don't deliver that man, um, the whole city is going to suffer. The Bible says that one wise woman went to go talk to the councilmen. She conveyed with wisdom why. And, and, then pretty soon, and then just a few hours later, she's the one that had the man's head uh, and throws it over the wall. And there was peace. And Joab says, you are a wise woman. She was the deliverer. She used her wisdom. The Bible says that a wise woman builds her house. A wise woman understands the time, the place, and the way to approach conversations. A wise woman prays and believes God for the supernatural. A wise woman uh, builds. builds uh, uh, the Bible says that a foolish woman destroys her home, her relationships, through her actions. The Bible says with her hands. That means the extension of her hands are the actions and their attitudes behind. The attitude behind a lot of the actions of a foolish woman destroys her home, her house. A wise woman builds it. And so forth and so on. There are many, many women. And then you all know Mary, uh, this, this young virgin, young lady who tells God... Behold the, the servant of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. And then Mary had a little lamb. Right? Mary had a little lamb. And that little lamb, she delivered a baby that delivered the world from their sins. She was the instrument of deliverance. Mary was. And we can go in the New Testament, the, the first people that, that followed Jesus, the first people that gave to the ministry of Jesus were women. The, the people that were there at the cross, the people that were there when the empty tomb uh, was evident, there was women, 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 women. And yet the enemy is, uh, the devil tries to uh, basically castigate, suppress uh, women. Have not women celebrate? When a woman looks at herself, when a young lady grows up and she's looking at herself and she's looking at everything and the images on TV. She doesn't like herself. Uh, uh, women just have a hard time appreciating and loving themselves and encouraging themselves and feeling good about themselves. Uh, women have a bad, poor self-esteem, uh, a poor image of themselves. Women struggle emotionally uh, because that's what the devil did in Eden, in the Garden of Eden. He saw uh, Eve, the design, her physiology, and she, the devil understood. It is that womb, the womb and the woman that is going to bring the Messiah that's going to crush my head. He saw it. And so I've got to go after her. I've got to go after her emotions. I've got to make her feel like she's useless, like she's a failure, like she's not going to be elevated, like she's, like she's a failure in everything. Like she always has to strive. She always has to wonder, what is, what is my husband? Or what are the kids? What is the church going to think? And, and that is um, extortion, spiritual extortion. Amen. Every woman here, every young lady, every, every woman of God, every mom or every aspiring mom, you should know that you are God's creative genius. That God made you in His image. Not just, not, just, not just Adam, but He made Eve. He made them both into the image and the likeness of God Himself. You look like your heavenly Father, sister. Every woman here should know that you are the apple of God's eye. You should know that you are his daughter. And, uh, and, and God help anybody who messes or touches or hurts one of God's daughters. 
should walk like a princess, like you are blessed. You should position yourself to be able to listen to the voice of God. So these verses here say that, that Deborah, just she was used of God to deliver God in a, when there were tight spots. In the time of the judges, the God, people's God, people, God's people would do the wrong thing and they would be oppressed. They would fall under slavery, under drudgery. There was the Canaanites, a king by the name of Jabin, who had oppressed them. And God had spoken to Deborah. She was a prophetess. She was a governor. Um, she was a judge. She was a judge. Um, she was a, oh, the commander of the armies. And then she was a mom. She was a wife of Lapidoth, the wife of Lapidoth. So she was a wife. And yet God positioned her. And the Bible says, uh, the verses up there, if you don't mind, Judges 4 or 5, that you would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hills of the country of Ephraim, um, the Israelites. And people would come to her for judgment. So that means she would hear from God as a prophetess and she would prophesy. She was a governor. That means she was the administrator, the ruler of Israel. She was a judge and she would discern. She would discern judgment uh, with wisdom, with wisdom. And people would come to her, men, and would bring their cases and businesses. And, uh, and uh, different uh, disputes were brought before her. And she judged. She, she positioned herself in keeping with her gifts, in keeping with her calling, with her, with her position. Number two in your, in your outline, so that's number one, position yourself to hear the voice of God, to, to walk in God's counsel. Position yourself by coming to church, by saying yes to life groups, by signing up to next steps. Secondly is uh, prepare, the, the, to prepare for victory. The way you prepare for victory tomorrow is today. You take the steps that are necessary to build yourself, to sharpen your skills, to, to get closer to God, to find ways to continue or to be relevant, connected, engaged in spiritual activity, um, to, to read scripture, not, not just because it's a, it's a, it's a duty. No, it sure should be your delight, not just the duty. You should be like spending time and let the Spirit of God prepare you, equip you, listen to God's voice about being humble, about forgiving somebody in your circle, about, about letting somebody go, releasing you from your past, from your mistakes, or others that have hurt you or tried to undermine you. Prepare for victory today. For the victories that God is going to bring you, victory after victory, uh, by using the unique gifts, uh, by using the tools that God has placed in your hand, in your mind, in your heart, the people around you, like the, the widow that, that the creditors came to take her sons. And she goes to the prophet and she says, hey, help me. The, the, the creditors have come and they're going to take my sons as indentured servants. They're going to take them to first life, maybe for several years to pay debts. And Elisha says, what do you have in your home? She goes, I got nothing. Oh, and then she rethinks, says, you know what? I have a little cruise of oil. I have a little, a little base, a little cruise. She says, so what do you have in your hand? For Moses, it was a rod. For, a, for see, see, because Barak is, a, Barak is the general of the, of, the, of, the, of the Israel's army, Barak at this time. And so... Deborah says, has not God told you, has not God given you instructions that you need to raise an army, 10,000 men, that you need to go to this valley and get ready, and then for you to engage uh, Jabin and the Canaanites? The Bible says that they had 900 iron, 900 iron chariots. They were like tanks. They were more powerful than the equivalent of a tank versus just infantry, infantry, just 
just impossible. You don't have the weaponry to go against uh, chariots, iron chariots. And, but she says, hasn't God called you to raise men and to go to that valley and, and get ready for war? Has not God said that he's going to give you the victory? That, that, that he's going to, all you have to do is, is begin to walk in obedience and God is going to give you the victory. And, and, and um, Barak, the general of the Israel army says, I'm not going to go. I won't go unless you go. She's telling that to Deborah. Deborah assumes command of God's armies. How many say amen? Deborah says, I'll go. I'll go. But the honor is not going to be for you. God wanted to honor you. God wanted to. You would be a hero. Uh, 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 they would tell stories about you. But because you're refusing to go unless a woman goes with you, then uh, God is going to bring honor. And God is going to bring this victory uh, through a woman. By a, through the, uh, an instrument of a woman. Because God can use anybody. Because God does not discriminate. Do you know that in scripture, God loses and makes no time to write an excuse. There's no ink, no time for God to try and justify why he, raised, why he raises and uses women. Not once. Hey, you know, let's just let me tell you is because when a man fails, I'm going to raise a woman. No, God doesn't need any excuses. He raises anybody he wants, any time to do his bidding for his glory. God does not look to excuse or to justify, hey, let me tell you why I'm going to use Deborah. No, God just gave her wisdom. God just raised her in a time that was totally uh, in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish religion. Just women were second citizens, but not in God's eyes. He gave her wisdom and the ability to govern uh, and, and the ability to prophesy and to be a judge. And she was a wife. And the Bible calls her the mother, the mother of Israel, mothers. Ladies, the mother of Israel. In other words, she was a nurturer. She was just not a commander. She did not just give orders. She was, she was a nurturer. She was the mother of Israel. And she says that because you're refusing to just go out there and battle and listen to God, God is going to give the, the victory through a woman's hands, through a woman's hands. That's today we celebrate, we honor. Well, we just, uh, we just thank God. Not just for moms, but for young ladies that are here. Every young lady that this world is going to be resisting you, going to be rejecting you, is going to be pitying you and suppressing your gifts. And you are not, sometimes you're your worst enemy. When you look at yourself, you compare yourself, and you walk in this, in the spirit of doldrums, ladies, women of God. Don't do that to yourself. Don't cancel yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't compare yourself with anybody. You are the apple of God's eye. Most women that are married to us men, we love you. We don't say it often enough. We don't say it the right way. But I, I'm telling you that most of the men that I talk to, most, are just they love their wives. We just don't know how to say it rightly enough or say it in the right way, express it in the right way. Well, the enemy takes that silence and it, to you it becomes just a cacophony. It begins to echo. You listen to the echo chamber of your own voice. Nobody loves me. I'm not beautiful. Nobody cares. I'm just a servant. I just, they just use me at home to cook and to clean house, which is partly true. <laughs> Only partly true. It's 
prepare for victory by using the tools, the gifts, the, the anointing, the grace, the favor, the strength that God has given you. Prepare. Do you know because when you do your part, God does his part. Do you know in this story, if you read chapter 5, you know that, that as they arrayed for battle, that something happened. God made it rain all that day and that night the next morning. And when these chariots, these 900 awesome, incredible, you know, power tools, uh, these, these weapons of warfare that the Canaanites had, do you know what happened? Is that the ground was so moist and so wet that it was muddy. The, the, the iron was so heavy that the, the, those chariots began to sink and they began to get stuck. And they were like sitting ducks. For Israel. Okay, you're not with me. Just the, the, the rain, the, the, just, just the conditions. They became totally favor for the agile, for the footmen, for the infantry. If you were on a horse or if you were in a chariot, you were a sitting duck. God, you do your part, God does His. You just be faithful. You learn to give. You get involved. You get connected. Uh, you go to a life group, lead one, learn from one, love one. You begin to do your part. You begin to grow. You begin to prepare, prepare, prepare for victory. In these verses of Judges 24 through 28, if you read it in your home, I'm just if you flash them up there, folks up there, just flash those verses. This just talks about, about JL, that, that she is blessed, uh, blessed of, uh, most blessed of all the women uh, that basically are housemakers. She dwells in a tent. That, that's what that verse says. That the, uh, go back. Go back. Don't ever go front unless I tell you. I'm just kidding. Go, go, thank you. Thank you. Perfect. The, the tent dweller. She was a tent. You know what the twent, a tent dweller is? She was a homemaker. Like You guys help me because uh, if not, I'm not going to finish. These people want to hear me all day. That, that's what these people do. I mean, a lot of them don't have anything else better to do. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Thank you for those. So she was a homemaker. Listen, ladies, listen, listen. If anybody ever tries to just demean you, if you demean yourself because you, you love the home or that's your role, you're, you're raising children, um, you, 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 like some of you are workers and then you come home and then you make everything else happen in your home. A, a tent dweller. Now, don't underestimate the skills that are developed as a tent dweller. Um, her husband were probably a businessman, negotiator, has cattle, has things to do. But maybe just show at home maybe once a week or come at night and she had to basically do everything else. And when it was time to move the tent and pitch the tent, uh, you have every confidence that this lady, this lady had developed skills. The Bible says that um, when the, the King Jabin came, he was running from them because Israel was slaughtering, slaughtering his army. Left him. Not one was left alive. That's what the Bible says. Not one lived. And, and this coward of a king runs and tries to save his life. He, he runs into this the, um, Jael's tent. And he says, hey. And he says, oh, come in. He made him, she made him feel relaxed. Relax. Take off your shoes. Like, like just relax. And she goes, give, give me water because he was thirsty. The Bible says in chapter 5, oh, he gave her, he, she gave him milk, yogurt, to make him sleepy. And the Bible says that with her left hand, with her left hand, she grabbed a steak. And with her right, when he was totally asleep, he was gone because he was exhausted. The Bible says she grabbed a steak with her left hand. And with the right hand, the hammer, 
uh, her right hand was used to the hammer. She probably had calluses. I mean, that was, that was her domain. She was in her element. And she put that stake right on the temple. The Bible says with one blow, one, 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 one blow. For anybody that knows how to handle a hammer, I mean, you either know it or you're not, or you're going to hurt yourself if you don't handle it. It says one blow. She basically drove that stake um, through his brains um, and, and through his temple. And with one blow, she killed the enemy and brought deliverance to Israel. With one blow, God brought victory using her skills and the tools that she was familiar with. Ladies, you can accomplish a lot in the kitchen. A lot. Thank you. I'll just, I'll just let that marinate right here. Just, just, I'm talking to you as a man. You can accomplish a lot with wisdom and conversations and your kids. And the last thing is, the, the number three and lastly is, is praise God. Praise God in every season. Praise God in every moment, in all conditions, in all temperaments, in all uh, experiences, in everything that you face. I pray, I pray that you cultivate. If uh, you're going to draw from the source of God, then just position yourself to hear God's voice. Prepare, prepare. C keep coming and build your abilities and your skills so that you can use those skills, those gifts that God is using, that talent, that anointing, uh, your tools that God has already. They're unique tools. They're unique to you. They're unique to your circumstances. And God will use, he'll use what he's given you. He's not expecting you to use something you don't have or something you're not. And then be a worshiper. Be somebody who praises God before, during, and after the victory. Before the victory, during your struggle, and then after. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will praise the Lord when? I will praise the Lord at all times. Say it with me. Say this verse with me. It's a great verse to memorize. Say it with me. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Say it with me one more time. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Another version says, I will continuously be praising him all the time. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with, with me, church? Today, we want to thank God for our moms, our ladies, our sisters, our daughters that are here. Young lady, if you're here, just... Just know that God has made you special. Uh, young girl, just teenage young lady. Sisters that you're single, uh, either by choice or by circumstances, you're single. Maybe you're young and you're one day aspiring to marry a man of God. I hope you are. One day, God has maternity, motherhood as part of a gift, as part of, part of the process, part of what's going to help you in many ways feel like, like you're part of God's extended plan. But if you're single today, if you're a mom, if you're a woman, you don't need maternity to know that the reason you were created was for eternity. I'll say that again. You don't need maternity to know that you were created for eternity. That God created you for Him. That's your first calling, is to be a daughter, a child of the living God. Would you lift up your hands? Let's just worship God this morning. Let's just celebrate uh, the God that brought us mothers. <laughs> The God that, that just brought us deliverances. Hallelujah. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse Podcast. 
I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeHouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.